right there. Um, if you're new with us this morning, you have arrived on a unique and cool Sunday morning, one of my favorite days of the year. Today we get to get, to, uh, get together, listen to world-class musicians, sing bluegrass together, eat incredible barbecue together. I am really hopeful that y'all will stay with us this afternoon. We've got a bunch of tables set up outside. We've got spots in the commons. Trust me, this barbecue is to die for. We would love for y'all just to hang out and eat with us. Um, for, for the last few weeks, as Charlie mentioned earlier, we've been walking through this really short sermon series on, on why we gather, focusing specifically on why we do this. Not, not just why we gather in each other's homes, why we gather as community, all of those things are vital and important and foundational, but why we get together in corporate worship. You know, the hope has been we'll take each kind of main element of our worship gatherings and, and trace it back to its roots in the scripture, like grounding it in the Bible, and then building it back up, tracing that thread from the early church to today so that we can recognize what we do isn't just arbitrary, it isn't something that was completely made up you know, 50 years ago, it's not something just to pass time on a Sunday morning, but everything we do, it's expressed differently in different cultures and different countries, but all of it is grounded in the scripture and all of it is designed to be worship. When we come together and we set aside to pray together, we pray in, in worship glorifying God, honoring him. When, when we bring the word and receive the word of God, that's an act of worship. Last week, we listened to Kiefer talk to us about generosity. You know, we pass the plates, and it can be a really awkward moment for some of us, and I, and I get it. That's, that's real. Um, it's worship. We worship through generosity. We worship through the sharing of our resources, that, that worship being recognizing that they are all God's, recognizing who he is and who we are in him. And this morning, we get to spend time focusing on worshiping through song, worshiping through music, worshiping through singing. I, I'm, I'm really lucky to have gotten to grow up here in Nashville, Tennessee, and the Nashville I grew up with in, in the 80s and the 90s, it's, it's very different from the Nashville many of y'all know today. Um, it, Nashville wasn't the it city. I went to high school like downtown, downtown, like right on Broadway. And, and downtown was a place that, you know, you got the heck out of Dodge when the sun went down. It was... It was a little bit stabby. It was very sketchy. Um, it, it looked nothing like downtown looks today. I can remember when I was in high school and college, if you were going downtown, you could just go and parallel park on Broadway. You could just park wherever you wanted to. There was no Nashville SC. There were no Titans. There were no Predators. It, it was very different. It felt different. And whereas it might not have been the It City, it's always been the Music City. And live music has always been a part of what it meant to be a Nashvillian, what it meant to grow up and, and live and love in Nashville, Tennessee. And that is not unique to any generation. Now, when I was doing it, imagine, there's, there's no cell phones, there's no internet, there's no websites where you can see any bands that are coming through. There was no Ticketmaster. <laughs> Suckers. Um, None of that existed. And unless it was like the stones coming through, 
and it would be an article in the newspaper, you had no idea who was playing and when they were playing. So, so me and my friends, it would not be unusual for us just to pick one of our favorite music venues on Friday and Saturday night. You just show up. You stand in line, you buy tickets at the door, you walk in, and you just see whoever happened to be there that night. Because we knew it doesn't matter if we've never heard this band before. It doesn't matter if we don't know the lyrics to the songs. There is something that happens in our souls when we gather with people and experience music together. It's the way we were designed. It's been that way since the beginning of time. It's certainly been that way throughout the history of the church. We see Paul in his letters as he's, as he's writing to these different churches, as he's writing to the church at Ephesus. He's writing so much on, on unity within the body, on community in the body. And, and in Ephesians 5.19, he says, speak to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making music with your hearts to the Lord. He writes to the Colossians. And to that church, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, he says basically the same thing. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. We see it throughout that book of Acts that we studied for the first five months of this year, that early church, throughout their rhythms, worshiping and praising the Lord through song. Paul, the man that wrote those letters. In Acts chapter 16, he finds himself in prison once again. He's with his buddy Silas, and, and they're in the inner, inner, inner parts of the jail, like the deepest, darkest part of the jail, once again, facing potential death penalty. No idea what's going to happen the next day. Acts 16, 25, what do we see he and Silas doing? Singing. Praising the Lord through songs and through hymns. It's the spiritual language of the heart. It's something that allows us to tap into human experience and human emotions. It allows us to experience emotions and articulate emotions that we, we really can't touch in any other way. Hope and joy and heartbreak and celebration and despair and desperation all of it can be expressed through song in ways we can't otherwise express. It's, it's why we have a Spotify playlist for, for every vibe, for every mood. We've got, you know, we've got our playlist for the backyard barbecue. We've got our playlist for the Christmas party. You know, you've got your playlist for that, those lovely evenings when, you, when you're in the kitchen with your spouse and you're sipping on something beautiful and you're cooking something even more beautiful and, and Frank Sinatra or French jazz in the background allows you to be present in that moment. It unlocks something. There's an intimacy and a romance that is created that without that music you just can't quite get there on that intense, deep, beautiful level. It has always been this way. We've seen it throughout the Bible. I mean, Mary, when she finds out she's going to be the mother of the literal son of God, she breaks spontaneously into one of the most beautiful songs we have recorded in the scriptures in Luke chapter 1. The entire center of our Bible is a songbook. Like the book of Psalms, 150 beautiful psalms expressing the entire spectrum of human emotions. There is not anything that you can experience 
There's not any emotion that you can tap into as raw, as dark, as desperate, as beautiful, as celebratory. There's not any of those emotions that, that has not been written about and sung about in the book of Psalms. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself, hanging on the cross mere moments from death, he sings. That, that song that, that, or that line that we're, we're so afraid of in the crucifixion story, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a song. It's Psalm 22. Jesus is singing in that moment, and as was Jewish culture, when you sing the first line of a song, you're referencing the entire song. It's a song that, that expresses those darkest moments in our life, that deep despair, continuing to praise the Lord for his sovereignty. The writer of Hebrews references Jesus singing that song in Hebrews chapter 12. He says, Jesus sang. Jesus sang, I will sing hymns to you with your people, with the congregation in the assembly. Because if singing individually allows us to tap into something beautiful, singing as a body takes it to that next incredible level. Y'all didn't come here this morning to hear me talk. And, and Charlie is going to bring the band back up here. And we're going to spend the rest of the morning singing together, recognizing the power that singing corporately unlocks. In Joshua 6, it was music that brought down the walls of Jericho. Second Chronicles 20, King Jehoshaphat facing an army of nations ready to destroy God's people. They were vastly outnumbered. God said, it's not your battle to fight, it's my battle. I'm going to let that hang there for a minute because that's something we all need to think about. But that's a different sermon for a different day. It's not your battle to fight. It, it, it's my battle. And when it came time, Jehoshaphat doesn't send out the warriors. He sends out the choir. As John in the book of Revelation was desperately scratching and clawing to try to describe these divine images of eternity in earthly language. What picture does he paint of the throne room in Revelation chapter 5? The entire spectrum, the whole breadth of humanity, every nation, every culture, every tribe, every language coming together and singing praises to the creator for all of eternity. When we sing, something is unlocked. When we sing to our creator, something happens. It creates a unity. It creates a community. It creates a belonging. It allows us to express everything God designed us to feel and experience and express. And most of all, it glorifies him who created the song, him who created the singer, him who created the player, him who created each and every one of us. So as the band continues to lead us this morning in the celebration of song, would you stand back up with me? Lord, we are so grateful for your presence with us today and the opportunity to praise your name. Pray these things in that name. Amen.